A very good morning to brethren and friends. Uh, I would like to welcome everyone here. And uh, today we have a message from the Lord, uh, from the Word of God. And the message is, what if I don't believe in the afterlife? Now, I think this will be a very interesting uh, question for us to think about as we uh, proceed with the lesson. I'd like to thank uh, our friends for accepting our invitation for this uh, Friendship Sunday to hear about the message of the Word of God. In the recent survey uh, done in 2019, over half of Singaporeans believe there's life after death. And this is reported in the newspaper. Uh, it says 56% of the 1,106 Singapore citizens polled by a research firm called YouGov. Right? They might not agree on the same form of afterlife, but they do share the sentiment that our existence does not end with our final breath. So meaning about 56% of those who are poor or representing a good sample of Singaporeans uh, believe that there is life after death or uh, what we call the afterlife. And all of these people, uh, of course, they have different versions or understanding what afterlife is uh, to be, 32% believe they will be taken to heaven or hell, and 15% uh, think they will be reincarnated or maybe reborn, and 6% uh, believe they will return to spirit. So whatever, there are 56% who believe, 18% uh, are confident that death is the final end. Uh, that may be uh, your position. And 26% concede that they don't know. Yeah, true. I mean, uh, there are a lot of things we do not know. Uh, but as we look at the Bible, the Word of God, uh, perhaps we can share with you uh, what the Bible teaches about the afterlife. So the question here is, do you believe in the afterlife? Right? We'll look at three arguments. Okay? Uh, not that we argue with you. It's the two justification uh, or reasoning. The argument from evidence the argument for meaning, and the argument from probability. So first, let's look at the argument from evidence, and what is this about? Now, this also studied uh, in elsewhere. There's most people who believe in afterlife uh, believe there is God. And quite natural, but sometimes not. Uh, there are people who also don't believe in God, but they believe in afterlife. Right? So uh, then those people who believe in God, but don't believe in afterlife, Okay, so there are many variants, but most people who believe in afterlife believe there is God. So, the question we'd like to ask is, does God exist? May I propose that this is a question that we have to answer for ourselves, because either God exists or He does not. There's no middle ground, right? And so, in order to understand this, let's look at one way of uh, justifying or reasoning about that God exists. Now, let's say you're at home one day, and then you heard someone knock on the door, right? Uh, like my house, my doorbell doesn't work. <laughs> so you rush out, and then you open the door, and then you see a box right in front, right? At the doorway. Now, the question is that, that this box, so is it reasonable to believe that the delivery man left a box at your house, right, at your doorway? Or is it easier to believe that the box just appeared without a reason? Now, 
So the fact that you did not see the delivery man coming to your house, right? So does, you, does it justify to say that there's no man, there's no someone who delivered it, that the box just appeared by itself? So would you say that just because I did not see the delivery man, so I do not believe that he came by to deliver the box? In the same way, as we look at the universe that we are, it exists and is real. So the question is, is it reasonable to believe that God created the universe? Yeah, you see the universe, right? Uh, people went to the moon and then they can uh, take a picture of the earth, just like what we see in this picture. So is it reasonable to believe that God created the universe? Or is it easier to believe that the universe just appeared by itself? So you would believe very simply that the deliver man went to your house, knocked on your door, left the box there, and then even though you don't see the delivery man, you believe that somebody came to deliver the box. That is easy for you to believe. Uh, how come people do not believe that God has created the universe? Because the universe itself is the evidence that God is, that God exists. So this is what we call the law of cause and effect. That means if there is an effect, there must be something that causes it to come into being. Uh, simply here, we talk about the universe. The universe is here, therefore there must be an explanation or there must, it must be explained. So, how did the universe get here? Now, if a thing cannot create itself, then it is said to be contingent or dependent upon something outside itself to make it or to cause it to be in existence. So, the universe, therefore, is what they call a contingent entity, right? Since it cannot cause or explain its own existence. So, if the universe did not create itself, it must have had a cause. Something must cause it to come into being, right? So maybe the box cannot just be there. Somebody must have bring it there. Somebody must ship it there. Or you will believe in Santa Claus, Santa Claus must have delivered it and so on, right? Even though you may not see him, right, uh, doing so. So the, this argument of cause and effect also talk about an adequate and antecedent cause. So what is adequate means a sufficient cause that is greater than what you see. So the one who created the universe must be greater than the universe. The one who designed our human body must be greater than, than that. The one who created our brain uh, is greater than that. Right? Nowadays we have uh, inter artificial intelligence, we have robotic engineering and so on. Right? Uh, the person who created those robots is of course smarter than the robots. <laughs> right? Yeah. So in the same way, uh, it must be adequate. Uh, someone who caused the universe to come to being must be adequate and it must come before the cause or cause antecedent, right? So the universe is here, uh, intelligent life is here as you can see. Um, there are morality here, ethics here, love here, right? Uh, among men. And so who caused it? So since the effect can never come before or be greater than the cause, then it stands to reason that the cause of life uh, must be a living, intelligent being uh, that is moral, ethical, and loving. And that is who I, that's what I call God. Because the Bible tells us the first cause of everything that we see is God. As the Bible says, even this creation that we look at, in, in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
So what you got to do with afterlife? Uh, so be patient a bit. As for believing in God, there are four types of beliefs. Right? Let's talk a little bit about that. The atheists. The atheists believe that God does not exist. The deists uh, believe in the same way that uh, in, in such bonus they say that God does exist. The agnostic says there is not enough evidence to make a decision. So, well, it just stand on the fan and say, I don't know. And then finally, the skeptic. The skeptic doubt that God exists and can be proven with certainty. So we may fall into one of these four categories. Maybe there's a fifth one, I do not know. Just for discussion, say there are four different types of beliefs. So what is the safe option? I don't like this argument, but it is quite safe to think about safe option, right? So what is a safe option among these four? Now, first consider atheists. The atheists will have to face God. Okay, GE means God exists. If God exists and you are an atheist, you have to face God. Right? You are not prepared. <laughs> because all the while you didn't you thought he didn't exist. But when you face God, uh, God exists, if God exists, you face God. G N E means God does not exist. Right? That's my short form. Huh? So if you are atheist and God does not exist, it doesn't affect you anyway. Right? So I think you are theist. If you are theist and God exists, then you'll be rewarded because you believe in God. Right? And God says uh, whoever believes in God will be rewarded. But if God does not exist, well, you may be a bit disappointed. Right? But, but if in that case when there's no afterlife, then probably you don't think anything about it anyway. How about agnostic? Agnostic uh, says that he can't know or he does not know that God exists or not. So if God exists, then he will have to face God for the agnostic. And then if God does not exist, it doesn't affect him any anyway. How about skeptic? Uh, the skeptic, if God exists, will have to face God, right? Because he is skeptical, uh, yet he doesn't make a decision whether God is there or not, he's doubtful. But if he, at the end of the day, if God exists, then he will have to face God, right? And uh, what if God does not exist? It doesn't affect this person. So what is the safe option? The safe option is this. You know Imokon, right? Now, those who do not believe in God and have, will have to face God if God exists, they will not be very happy. Certainly, it applies to the agnostic and the skeptics. Right? And uh, if God does not exist, it doesn't affect anyone. Uh, the taste will be a bit disappointed. But then, the taste who believe in God and if God exists will be rewarded. Right? So that seems to me is the safe option. Some people ask, if God created everything, then who created God? Well, that's a smart question. But the Bible says that God is spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24, says God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. So God being a spirit, and all-powerful, and He is eternal, he, he, there is no beginning and there is no end for God. God is so great, as we talked about earlier, he must be intelligent, he must be power, more powerful than us because he created us. Right? He is eternal himself, a spirit does not have a beginning. It's, it's not a matter, it's not something that you can hold on to. Okay, just imagine spirit, right? You don't see it, it's just a spirit, and there is no eternal. So there is no creation for God. Right? God just exists in an eternal form. 
And the Bible says that God created man in this image. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. And so God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Man and female, he created he them. And then you ask me, how can God create man in his own image if he's just a spirit? There's no physical image, right? So what that image means is a spiritual image. Right? We have that image, the spiritual image of God. Right? As he said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, to further see the process of creation, as I look at it here, there is something about the spirit that God gave to man. In Genesis 2 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So what's the difference between a dead man and a living man? Uh, it's not just that his heart stops, or he don't breathe, right? because he still can be brain dead. Right? Uh, there are many definitions of death in the medical field, but the Bible has its own explanation, because uh, as you see in James 2, and verse 26, the Bible tells us that man consists of two parts, the body and the spirit. And who gave the spirit? God gave the spirit, right? God formed man of dust and breathed into his nostril, and he became a living soul. In James 2, and verse 26, he says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without work is dead also. So here, the emphasis is that what happened to the body? After death, after death, right? Let the spirit leave him. As mentioned in Ephesus 12 and verse 7, the spirit leaves the body and returns to God. In Ephesus 12, verse 7, it says, And then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return to God who gave it. And we know when the person dies, it just disintegrates and decay and then it turns to dust. But the spirit returns to God. And that's what the Bible teaches about the component of man, about life and death, right? When a person dies, the spirit returns to God. And because of this verse and many other verses in the Bible, uh, I believe there's afterlife. Because I believe in God, it's very reasonable to believe in God, right? So, on one part, I believe in God because the universe exists that exists cannot be without a cause, cannot exist without a cause. Secondly, the cause must be a supernatural living being, right? An adequate uh, cause. And it is God that we talk about in the Bible, that God exists and He has created the universe. On the other side, if you look at afterlife, we understand since that God is eternal and is spirit, and He created man in His own image, then there's something with us that was that will not just go into non-existent. The spirit will live on. Right? As the Bible says, the spirit will live on. If we, we can see a dead person, he's just dead. But the spirit lives on, as the Bible says, right? The spirit will live on uh, after death. And that's why I believe in the afterlife. And that's the argument from evidence. The argument from meaning. If you like to watch movie, uh, I've not really watched this movie, but this Toy Story 4 has a character. And this character is called Fox, Foxy. Uh, Foxy is a spock. You know the spock? <laughs> a spock is a, is a spoon that looks like a fork, and a fork that looks like a spoon. Right? So if you look at this picture, it's a, it's a spock. 
I, I, I don't know whether you use it for, I find it very difficult to use. I you try to eat spaghetti with it, and the fork is a bit too, too small to pick up the spaghetti. But anyway, what happened is that Foxy, this character, who is actually created by this girl called Bonnie, from a spork, right? And uh, he found it in the trash, trash bin. Uh, somebody has thrown it away. He took out and then he mowed it with clay and then put the pipe cleaners and then with googie eyes. So it becomes a toy, right? So of course, uh, he loved playing with the toys. Then as the story goes, uh, it seems that Forky has an existential crisis. Uh, existential crisis meaning a moment in the life uh, when an individual questions his life purpose uh, and meaning. Okay, I don't know whether you do that. I think most young people in the age of 16, 14, you know, when they're teenager, they begin to ask, why am I here? Who am I? You know, you know, what, what is my purpose in life, right? So in this very story, there's this Forky. And I mentioned this story because Forky also has this kind of what I call existential crisis. And what happened in the very funny story, which I hope to catch the movie uh, and uh, enjoy it, is that Forky cannot accept his role as a toy. So the first 15 minutes of the movie, he keeps throwing himself into the trash. He said, I belong there. <laughs> right? And then uh, everybody trying to convince him, no, 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 you, you, you're, you're not a trash, you're, you're, you're a toy. Right? So I mentioned that. It's quite important to our argument of um, for meaning or from purpose. So what does existential question means? An existential question is a deep philosophical question concerning the nature of someone or something's existence. So one of the questions that's most commonly asked is what is the meaning of life? Right? It's an example of an existential question. Eric Leons from the Apologetic Press uh, wrote this article, uh, which I picked up uh, sometime uh, a year or two ago. This is the four most important questions you will ever ask. Okay, and you look at the question. You see, in the world of so much unbelief, confusion, insecurity, the gods reveal soul-stirring answers to the four most important questions of life desperately need to be studied and shared with others. And so what are the four questions? So there are four questions. The first question is, why am I here? Why did I come from? Where did I come from? Where am I going? And how do I get there? Right? We're not going to talk about all these four questions because we have dealt with some of these questions. Right? Right? Where, where did I come from? We talked about it earlier. Right? We got created the world. We got created us. Right? And then where am I going? We'll talk about it later. But we'll just talk about one question here. And these are all existential questions. The first question, why am I here? I think when I think about this question, I will believe there's afterlife. Because this question simply says that you know why you're here. Right? It's not just about uh, why you're here for two hours, why you're here for one day, or you go to a foreign country, why I'm here for six months, you know, or why am I here this year, you know. But why are you here in the totality from the beginning of life when you're born until Death, you know, why, why, you, why are you here? Right? And a lot of people ask this question, especially when they get older or when they're still young, they, they begin to say, why am I here? You know? So the, the question is, what is your why and why do you exist? And what is the purpose of your life? So you don't ask that, never mind, just think, start thinking about it. Because there are people who think a lot. Okay, like this Richard Dawkins is an atheistic evolutionary writer, 
right? Means he do not believe in God, right? And he believe in evolution. And this is what he thinks about the purpose of life. He said the universe that we observe is precisely the properties that we should expect uh, if it, there is. And at the bottom, no purpose, right? Nothing but pitiless indifference. So what he's saying here that it's just matter, it's just everything, there's no creation, it's just matter, right? And when life ends, it's just gone, everything, there's no purpose, don't talk about it, right? Don't even think about it, there's no purpose. Another man called Abraham Lawton, an executive editor of the New Scientist magazine, he's still very active there. He also is an atheist, and don't want to talk about purpose, right, and about life. You see, the, ask, the harsh answer is that it has none. Right? It has basically none. There's no purpose, right? You say the life, you may, your life may feel like a big deal to you. Uh, and, uh, and then he wrote, he says, but it's actually a random bit of matter and energy in an uncaring, impersonal universe. I, I don't believe it. I think the universe has a lot of warmth as well, you know, a lot of love as well, right? But uh, there's a lot of meaning to it. But he thinks that the whole life is just a bit of matter and energy. Okay, the people somehow stop like, when people die, like, I suppose, right? And it's just, it's just matter, right? it's, just, it's just engineering or whatever, it's just natural science or whatever, right? And, and, and the purpose is that to show you that there is no meaning when you do not believe in God and you do not believe in afterlife. So that's the conclusion, or my conclusion at least. If there is no afterlife, life will be meaningless. Look at that, you wake up, you eat, you work, you sleep, then you repeat. You wake up again, you eat, you work, you sleep. And then you repeat again, you wake up, you eat, you work, you sleep. It's so meaningless, right? You just go through that routine. There must be a reason why we are here, right? And that reason is given by God. Even the Bible says there is life after death. And indeed, there is no uncertainty about it. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, but if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The word sleep here means who are dead or who died in Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13 and verse 14, the Apostle Paul mentioned our resurrection, meaning when we die, there's a stage where we are in the dead form, and then when Christ comes again, God will Christ will resurrect us, right? That means it's again uh, a truth about life after death. In this verse it says, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 to verse 14, the Bible tells us there is really a meaning and purpose in life. The wise man wrote, by the inspiration of God, says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandment, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every single thing, whether good or evil. So why do I believe in the afterlife? Because of the argument of meaning? Since we consider life and its meaning, we will end up with God. God has the answer. And God created us to worship Him with purpose, to glorify Him. But the purpose of life is not just physical because when you know where we die, whatever accumulation of wealth or possessions, this is not something for us to be worried about because we can't bring it 
uh, along with us when we die. But our purpose of life is look, to look towards or uh, look for the promise of eternal life in Jesus Christ. So my conclusion is that I, if I do not believe in afterlife, then life will be most meaningless to me. Okay? And a lot of people find life is meaningless in, in this world. Right? They think they're alive because life is meaningless. Uh, because maybe they are suffering, they cannot, they cannot endure the pain, you know. Uh, they find that they are not achieving something. They, they just the hope and meaning in life. But there is meaning in life if we come to know Jesus. The third argument is the argument from probability. Now consider this. The antique Egyptian's mummy was uh, preserved and displayed in British, in the British Museum in London. England. Uh, I don't have the privilege to travel there. Uh, but read about it, you watch about it, even movie talk about it, right, the mummies and so on. Mummy 1, Mummy 2, and Mummy 3. Right? Uh, so why, why are you doing this out? Because the significance of death uh, and the afterlife of the ancient Egyptians uh, means a complex funeral preparation and rites. Because they believe that somehow from death, or from life to death, there's a transition of the individual from the earthly existence to immorality. Now, trust me, many cultures and religions do the same. I just use the Egyptians because we are all not Egyptians. <laughs> Unlikely to be Egyptians here. Right? So we just use, and then it's a very old belief. But it happens everywhere. When you look at funeral rites of the various religions and cultures, people do things believing that the person will continue to live on. Is it just by chance? Or maybe you considered this, is there a possibility that there is afterlife? So what if you don't believe in the afterlife? And that's the title of our sermon. <laughs> so if you believe, if you don't believe in this afterlife, what will happen? Of course you'll be very sad because you're not prepared to meet God. Right? And the invitation song is to prepare to meet God. So if you don't believe, and you there is, isn't afterlife, you're fair, okay, there's nothing, no, nobody is going to be very sad or angry about it. It's not afterlife anymore. But if you believe there's afterlife and there's afterlife, you'll be blessed because you're prepared to meet God, right? But finally, if you believe in afterlife and there isn't afterlife, it doesn't really matter. So to me, I'll rather believe that there is afterlife. You know, sometimes you drive along the highway, uh, those you drive along the highway, whether you're running at 100 km per hour or 120 km per hour, in some places you can even drive to 200 km per hour. Right, if you're driving along the highway, one of the, the things that will happen is that you will be thinking of something, and then you pass by, you, you miss the junction that you're supposed to turn left. Or turn right, you know, depending on which country or which which country you're in. So in Singapore, when you're on the highway, you tend to drive so fast, and then sometimes you think of something, you forget to turn. So don't miss the turn. Right? In the same way, we talk about how we live about afterlife. Don't miss the turn. Right? Don't miss that opportunity. You may be just going straight, but you not realize that your belief need to be reconsidered. That if we, if there's afterlife we will not be prepared to meet God. Right? So don't miss the turn. So what should you do if you want to find out more 
you need to find out more about the true afterlife. afterlife. And the Bible teaches us, right, uh, this is not going to be a long, uh, detailed study about afterlife, but a summary. The Bible talks about life after death. Jesus talked about a story about a rich man and a beggar named Nazareth in Luke chapter 16. And after that, they went to a place, all of them were dead, one was buried, one was carried out to, to, uh, to paradise, to the place called Hades, where the dead will wait for the coming of the Lord. And that is what will happen after death. And then the, in the book of First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says that God will come, Christ will come again uh, with a shout, with the voice of Archangel, right? Jesus will come back again. And then the world will be destroyed. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, that when, after, when Christ comes again to the whole universe, the world will be totally destroyed. And then in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, tell us that when Christ comes again, there will be the judgment day. We need to look about what, how God judged us in the, on the judgment day. And there will also be a resurrection of the good and the evil. And the Bible says, uh, the resurrected, the righteous will enter into life and uh, the, those who are evil under the resurrection of the condemnation. So this is one first thing we need to learn I studied about. Secondly, as we conceive of our life, we should be prepared for our life because there is a high possibility there is, right? As we mentioned about God and all this reason. And then, how can we be prepared for afterlife? The Bible says we need to understand that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6 and verse 23, it says, well, The wages of sin is death, uh, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Right? So we need to understand that we need to come back to God and put away our sin. We need to believe in Jesus. John 3 and verse 16. We need to repent of our sin. Right? In Acts 2 and verse 38, we need to confess Jesus before men because if confession of the mouth comes salvation. And finally, we need to be baptized for the forgiveness of, your, of our sins in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. So what we can do to find out more about afterlife, to also know how we can prepare ourselves for the afterlife. So in summary, we have the arguments from evidence, we have the argument from meaning, and we have the argument from probability. The Bible in Luke chapter 12 talks about a story that Jesus tells. When Jesus tells a story, we call it a parable, a story that has an earthly context but has a spiritual meaning. So Jesus talked about the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to verse 21. And so basically, in what Jesus talked about is that there was this certain rich man and his ground or his field, you know, used a lot of uh, cob, right? He's so rich, so plentiful. And so he says, uh, I'm going to build bigger barns to keep all these uh, cobs that, uh, that I've grown, right? To store them. And, after, and what happens is that after he has stored all these things in your barns, uh, uh, in later, I put all your money in all your banks, uh, you say, well, I, I'm okay. I don't worry, I, I got enough to, you know, in the local, in the, in the present way, I enough money to uh, see me through to death. Okay, <laughs> right. maybe 100 years old. Right. So this man in the same way, it says when he put his uh, corpse into the barns, he believed that everything is fine, right? What, what should I do, right? Uh, I'll just tell my souls that you have many goods 
laid out for many years, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Okay? So the story continues to say that this man died, as all men will die, will die, right? And, uh, and the Lord said to him, in verse 20, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, whose will those things be which you have provided? We think about all these things that we have. Providing for ourselves, providing our families and everything. We are so prepared for this earth, but this earth is not going to be eternal. We need to prepare for afterlife. Because we have lived there eternally, because every one of us has a spirit. And we need to think about how we ought to prepare ourselves for afterlife. Whether you are a Christian today, whether you are not, Christ, you're not Christian yet, you need to think how you need to be prepared for the afterlife. But the truth basically, two points. First, there's life after death. Second, we need to be prepared for it. And so, why will you linger, wandering from the fold of God? Hear you not the invitation, oh, prepare to meet thy God. Tell us so, oh, heed the warning for your Judgment, I'm prepared. 